0: Welcome to the terrible podcast season 13 episode 118 he's Dave Brian I'm Alex Kazora, Steelers thanks for being back with us here this Monday Steelers Nation and it is officially finally draft week the 2023 NFL draft kicking off round one on Thursday night and then running through Friday and Saturday Dave. Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan holding their annual pre-draft press conference on Monday morning. That's why this episode of the podcast is coming out a bit later. We wanted to listen to that, write about that, and talk about that. And I'm glad we did because there was one very interesting thing that Tomlin and Khan and Tomlin in particular had to say during this presser.
1: Yeah, as far as pre-draft press uh, conferences go. Uh, there, there, there were some in- really interesting takeaways to discuss today, for sure.
0: All right, so we'll dive right on in off the top here. Mike Tomlin seems to be putting up a big for sale sign when it comes to that thirty second overall pick. I can barely count the number of times that Tomlin talked about the uniqueness of having that pick for Pittsburgh to pick uh, the first spot in the second round. Again, that's thirty second overall. And the possibility seemed to be strongly hinting at trading that the interest that may receive the calls that uh, other teams likely will, will place upon that. So Tomlin, not only the way that he spoke about it, but just it was like a kid at Christmas talking about what that 30 se- 30 second pick could do. So really interesting comments there.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd liken it to that uh, gif of Tomlin uh, motioning over to, to, to the sideline there. Come get it. Come get it. Uh, <laughs> right. It, uh, you know. And yeah, you're right. At the top of the show, there, if there's one primary takeaway from what we heard on Monday morning, it's that they are really interested to be in the spot that they are at 32 overall, and what that might attract in the way of calls. And they he you know they they made sure to say several times, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, during this press conference, how deep this draft class is. Uh, I think when you even start putting the pieces of the puzzle, going back and 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 going over the blues clues and looking things, uh, and specifically at the pre-draft uh, top thirty visitor list that this team put together, it seemed to be heavy on. Man, why are they bringing in so many kind of mid-round guys, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and not as many guys that you would ter- term kind of later round guys. Now, within that, the context is, well, that right now they don't have a fifth or a sixth round uh, draft pick. So you're going to look at it as, as probably as, uh, as many guys that are probably would qualify in those top top four rounds. And and on top of that, you do have so many picks in the top 80 there on top of it. And that's, that's, that's unusual uh, for, for the Steelers going into, uh, a draft on top of it, but, uh, and look, I mean, they, they said all the right things. We're open to trading up, even in the first round, you know, trading down all, all the things that you would e- expect them to say, but, but I, you know, I, there wasn't one thing that perked my ears up more than to kind of the feeling that I got that, Hey, here's this number 32 pick, come get it. Cause it's for sale.
0: It is. And Tomlin knows what he's doing whenever he speaks to the media, the whole NFL world listens. And so he's putting those feelers out. It's not just for you and I to talk about it's for NFL teams to hear about that because each team has, you know, a group of guys and their job is to kind of literally scour the internet and see what's out there in terms of visits information. And that'll help teams gather intel so they know how to start conversations. So let me just read um, at least one of the quotes that Tomlin had here. And this is off the top, asked about, you know, are you getting calls for 17? you getting calls for 32. Tomlin saying, quote, man, we're excited about it, man. We've been talking about it. I think the thing that we are least familiar with about it is the amount of calls that we will be or could be getting. And that's where we've spent our time is just talking about how do we organize and how do we get prepared for the receiving of the amount of interest that that pick could have. And that's a good and exciting possibility. For us, So obviously when it comes to trades, there's no guarantees, takes two to tango, all that kind of stuff. But Tomlin really seems interested in, uh, again, the uniqueness of that pick and what it could mean about uh, potentially trading down from 32.
1: And look, I've, I've, I've stated several times that the top of this, this draft class as a whole to me is, uh, isn't overly as exciting as, as, as maybe some most recent draft classes, but I will agree with the aspect that there is depth stuff in there and nothing. And I put this on Twitter before we got on, uh, probably what he said about potentially moving out of that number 32 spot uh, moving down and maybe acquiring some more picks there, especially in those middle rounds there. That's probably the most exciting, most excited I have been about the potential of that happening throughout this pre-draft process uh, here, and you know, and look, they, you know, Thomas said we've, you know, addressed free, free, a- free agency and, and, and filled holes. So hopefully blah, 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 the board can come to us and we don't have to focus in. I still think this team has holes at a lot of positions and sure. I mean, you can run through, I mean, tackles are glaring, obviously a glaring hole, uh, uh, a future, you know, top cornerback, a future, uh, nickel cornerback, uh, as, as well, uh, who's going to be the backup center on this team, this, uh, the wide receiver room, if they could af- uh, afford to address it, could use another wide receiver in there. There's even some depth, you know, uh, uh, at, at inside linebackers, strong safety. I mean, you just start going through it. You start trying to prioritize, you know, and and, and yeah, they did. It's been a very, very busy offseason for them. Right. I mean, uh, but it had, it, it almost felt like it had to be right.
0: Yeah. Um I, I think it was expected to be busier than people thought just because you had the new GM in, you had cap space, you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, and this was still a nine and eighteen last year, one that granted finished the year seven and two, but still had, you know, a fair amount of turnover with for agency and and just how young this roster was. So yeah, there was there was a lot to address.
1: All right. So what what uh, and you put out an interesting scenario there to think about. And this is something that we've said for a few weeks now. If this team if this team moves up in the first round in, in, in any way, one would think or, or one could easily surmise that it would be for a tackle, either Paris Johnson or, or, or Broderick Jones. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can never, the old Tomlin phrase, never say never, but never. If they were to move up, I can't think it would be any other position except to get a tackle, whether that's Parrish Johnson, Broderick Jones, or I guess maybe even Darno Wright, considering the buzz on him. But I just can't see it being for any other position besides getting an offensive tackle.
1: All right. Now, what was that that you threw out with going up in the first and then down from 32?
0: Yeah, so here's my thought, and obviously we can speculate till the cows come home, and we won't know until we know, and I don't speculate that often, but you know the scenario here really kind of intrigues me. We're hearing more and more buzz about the, the odds of Pittsburgh potentially going up, Todd McShay making reference to that in an ESPN article on Monday, and so my thought is, let's say this team goes up from 17 to, let's say, pick 11, pick 9, whatever, to get an offensive tackle and who you want that guy to be. You can let's just call him Broderick Jones. I think that's the most reasonable assumption right now. So let's say they give up 17 and 49 to do that, to go to 11. You take 32 to recoup some of that draft capital that you just gave up to get Broderick Jones to get that tackle. You take 32, you trade down, you pick up. You're not going to get pick 49 or some equivalent, obviously, but you're going to get maybe a third round pick. A later third round pick or a fourth round pick, or maybe you start to, to bridge that gap between the fifth and sixth round. So I think those moves could be intertwined where you go up from 17, get get your guy there, and you fall back from 32, go down, you know, six to ten spots. And because this cornerback class is so deep, we've talked about that endlessly, and Tomlin Kahn referred to that today. You're still going to get a good corner if you're picking at, let's say, 38 or 37 or 41 or wherever because it's corner class is just unusually strong.
1: Right. And I mean, that's, that's, a you know, who, who knows? I mean, you trying to predict this stuff, you, you, you'd go crazy here, but I mean, I, I think what you just laid out is plausible, uh, for sure. But, uh, if there was, if there was, if they were to move it, uh, anywhere right now just based on and and it's, it's it's hard to you know put put definitives on this but if they were to make any move right now in the first two rounds of the draft I would think that the probability of moving down from 32 would be slightly higher than a move up from 17.
0: I would say so just based on the team's you know on public comments today yeah um but I think those two moves in conjunction. And again, these these things all sound good on a bumper sticker and you and I talking about it, but sure. you never know until you're actually there. And you may try to go up through to 17 and you may get your guy and then can't treat out a 32. It may that, that may occur. Um, so you never try to you know bank on the whole, you know, story and idea coming together. But that's my thought. But I think point is you know, again, takes two to tango, no guarantees. But I at this point. I would be surprised if Pittsburgh was still holding the thirty-second overall pick whenever it's announced at the top of Friday night.
1: Yeah, that, that it'll definitely whoever they pick in the first round and whatever they do, you'll move up or whatever. Uh, there, uh, we'll have a long overnight there, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thinking what does it mean? You know, uh, because uh, look, I, I I'm excited. I think about that aspect of that potentially happening. And, and Tomlin even laid out there. You know, we're we're not quarterback shopping you know, early this year, uh, obviously, and there might be teams for him to go that specific like that,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: leads me to believe that that just didn't come off the top of his head, you know, uh, and he's not one that, 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 that gives a lot of info anyway, unless he wants it out there. So, uh, it, 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 it has me feeling like, Maybe they're thinking a team will come up to 32 to get, who knows? Levis, Hooker, uh you, you name the, you name a quarterback that 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 falls that a team might be willing to go go up to get. Now what specifically have you looked at the trade trade chart? I've been busy highlighting some stuff and some transcripts and all like that. If, I have. if you've been if you're looking to specifically deal that 32 32 pick, mm-hmm. what does that look like?
0: Well, 32, and again, trade value charts can vary. There's the old Jimmy Johnson one. I think there's a new age one, but you know, I, 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 they are probably all relative in terms of, of value and points and, and, and distance. So pick 32 That is in the chart that I'm looking at is worth 590 points. If you wanted to say, let's say the Raiders are 38, they don't get a quarterback at seven, they want to try to trade back up, their pick is worth 520. So 70 points of separation there. So something a, a deal could look like Uh, potentially, you know, Pittsburgh trades 32 and they get 38 uh, from the Raiders. And let's say the Raiders have a fourth round pick. I had this mapped out earlier. Let's say pick 109. Maybe you can get a fist and give them a seven, something like that. So hypothetically, 32 and a seven for 38, 109. And something in the fifth round, if they have a later fifth round pick, 174. They they have that. So let, let's just call it, you know, something like that. 32 and a sevens for 38, 109, and 174.
1: That sounds too perfect. Let's erase this part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so we don't jinx it. Uh no. No, I like that. Uh that has me even more excited. Uh at, at, at this point, because they need they, you know, regardless. They need a good draft overall, obviously, but it's mm-hmm. it that long wait after the fourth round, you know, just feels too long. They, they have to do. So it feels like uh, it would behoove them if, if possible to to fill that
0: gap there. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this for weeks and almost months. I don't think that. Omar Khan in his first time a Steelers GM first draft is going to sit on his hands from that fourth round pick all the way to the seventh round pick, which is even a bit later after the Robinson deal. It's like 241 is their seventh round pick, uh, the, their first selection there. So I just can't see him waiting that long. So in this scenario, you get two fourth round picks, you get a fifth round pick to begin to bridge that gap to go down just a handful of spots. And again, you want a cornerback, it's going to be a good cornerback at say 38 as there will be a 32. Here's my only concern, at least with the uh, hypothesis that Tomlin had about, you know, the quarterback shoppers, will a quarterback be there? I'm pretty confident the top four quarterbacks and Young and Stroud, Richardson and Levis are going to be gone before Pittsburgh is even on the clock at 17, at least assuming if they stay there. And then the question becomes, what happens with Hendon Hooker from Tennessee? Will he be a first-round guy? That buzz has been increasing. My guess as of today, and it's a guess, no one knows for sure. I think Hooker goes in the first round. Maybe a team even trades up into the back end of the first round to get Hooker, as opposed to trading up at pick thirty-two in the second round with Pittsburgh. And if Hooker's gone, then there is no quarterback there, and there are no shoppers for that position.
1: Yeah, but there. Who know? You know? Who knows what? I, I, not what might interest another team to jump another team to come up to thirty-two though. It is a, an intriguing position overall and you would think that it would be tied to the quarterback but it could obviously be tied to you know wide receiver or whatever you know yeah Uh, uh,
0: someone's uh, going to fall uh, from uh, round one yeah right right. but from the quarterback aspect which would be the most most attractive thing like if Hendon Hooker falls out of the top 31 if he's sitting there at the start of round two you can put good money on Pittsburgh not having that pick because some team will come up whether it's the Seahawks the Raiders the Titans somebody's going to make that move for Hendon Hooker If he falls out around once, if you're a Steelers fan, you should very much strongly be rooting for Hooker to not be a first round pick. If you want Pittsburgh to come out of that 32 spot, if Hooker is gone again, that possibility is there for whoever, whatever receiver, whatever player you want to put in that position. But it probably would lessen the odds because there might be less competition for teams trying to go up there and, and get that guy. Um, for a receiver as opposed to if it was that last quarterback before you have your massive drop-off in the class.
1: And just to re- reiterate to everybody, if you're just joining us or, or haven't you know listened throughout the offseason or, or 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 whatnot, that number 32 pick that the Steelers own is technically a second round pick. So there's no fifth year option uh, that 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 comes uh, comes with that. So, you are you know, you're not losing any you're not losing that aspect if you trade that pick away. But additionally, no team is gaining that if they were to to trade for that spot. It is technically a second round pick.
0: Right. And I think that's another reason why it may complicate the quarterback process. I know I, I've said in the past fifth year options aren't the sale all end all. But when it comes to a quarterback, I think it's different. And if teams want to go get that guy. They probably want that fifth-year option as an extra attachment to it. So um, I, I wouldn't like the odds right now of poker being there, but we'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, anything else kind of tied? it. it, it look, uh, will, will will this draft class of the Steelers include like 10, 10, 11 players? Probably not. Uh, should it include more than seven? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, I do. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Eight or nine sure sure sounds enticing, uh, at, at 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 a minimum. Regardless if they move around, I still think this, this this Steelers team comes out of this draft with seven selections, and probably more realistically we might be looking at eight. I think is in, in my head now.
0: That's a good number to put to it. Let me get your thoughts on. And again, I know that nobody knows, and we can sit here, we can talk all day, and we'll just have to wait till Thursday. But what are what is your feeling on this team trading up for seventeen? Is this smoke? Is this just as Kong talked about? You know, teams fishing for information. You know, every team talks to everybody to kind of get a feel for where things at before things get crazy Thursday night. Do you think that's a real possibility, or do you think this team's going to probably just sit at seventeen?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, it d- d- depends on uh, you know, comp- you know, what the compensation sure. is, what the cost is, and all like that. Personally, the one player I could see them moving up, you know, uh, to go get, would be Paris Johnson, for me. Okay, uh, you know, others might say, well, you need to put Broderick Broderick Jones in there. I'm not so much high on uh, on that aspect as I am. Uh, uh, Paris Johnson. And even then I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not enthralled with this tackle class period.
0: I get that. That's from, fair.
1: From, 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 from top to bottom. So while I, I'm not going to rule out the possibility of them going up to get a tackle. I, I certainly, I, I, I think the likelihood is there just from the kind of the smoke that you're hearing, but you kind of hear this smoke every year. Anyway, if they did move up, I would think that it would be for a tackle, and probably specifically Paris Johnson.
0: The question there is, you know, how how high will Johnson go? There's even rumors, and we're in silly season right now, and so you take it all with a grain of salt. But you know, Johnson could even go third overall to the Cardinals if they can't trade out of that spot uh, for somebody who wants a quarterback. So Johnson might is going to likely command that higher draft pick overall. I think at, at the very least for Pittsburgh. If they want to tackle, and if they're going to trade up, I have to assume that's what they're targeting. They got to jump the Jets at thirteen because the Jets are a very tackle needy team right now. Makai Becton did not work out. They got a big hole at left tackle to pre- protect, presumably Aaron Rodgers whenever that deal becomes um, official. And so,
1: I think there's a few teams in that top sixteen that you'd have to make sure to get a hold of. And I think the team right ahead of them, Washington's another team that could potentially use a left tackle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They do. They have similar needs to Pittsburgh. Corner tackle is kind of where they're looking at right now. So, you know, do you go to Tennessee at 11? um, But the Titans might want to go up for a quarterback. Do they want to trade back? I'm not sure. The Bears at nine. Um, That's a possibility as well. So
1: are you excited about the possibility of them going up to do you feel yourself hoping that they go up to get a Paris Johnson or a Broderick Jones? Let me phrase it that way.
0: I guess I'm a little mixed on it, and maybe that's the maybe that's enough of an answer to give right there. I think 17 is a very awkward spot for this team to be in, potentially, where the board's going to really kind of put them in a not great situation. And, and we I saw think-
1: that right from and not that it means anything in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, but uh, you know, you go back to that that, that walk the mock that mm-hmm. you did, you know, kind of in a precarious uh situation there. And how many times have we said, man, I'd like that. I like that guy more at 32 than I do at 17 for the Steelers, you know, uh, 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 kind of situation there. Uh, Look, I mean, I I will say this. I'm not as enthralled about them moving up to get a a, a Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones. But on the flip side, as I've said several times in the past, if you have conviction to go up to get a guy that you really want, then how can you take issue with that? And until four years after the fact when if he bust out or anything you know sure
0: you, uh, can't uh, begrudge
1: uh, your team. you know you you can't begrudge them uh for for doing that i think in my heart of hearts i'm silently hoping that they don't go up period but if they do at least it shows conviction in, in them doing that and, I'm, and- I'm i'm just not in trouble with this tackle class I and, get that. and, and, and 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 if you go up it it, it feels like it
0: would be to to get a tackle. It would be. But the thing is, this tackle class is not deep. Tackle classes are rarely ever deep right. where you have talent in the second, third round the way you have at a cornerback. And so if you want a tackle, like if you want somebody that can start over Dan Moore, or really challenge him at the very least in your number one, you got to get that guy early. Like at the, at the latest pick 32, if you get an Anton Harrison there after that, they're not going to get a guy at, at that point. They're looking at backup. They're looking at swing guys. It's nobody who's going to probably seriously challenge. Uh, Dan Moore or Chukwu for although for is going to likely still start based on the contract. So if you want to tackle, you got to get him early and you probably have to be aggressive about it. And, and I do like the tools and athleticism and length that a Broderick Jones has. Of course, Paris Johnson, a similar conversation, probably. He, he's because he's got they both have refinement in, in their game needed because they're effectively one year starters. and so still pretty young guys. Um, Darno writes the one I wonder about, you know, would you make a smaller move to try to go get him if you really like the guy? Personally,
1: I wouldn't. And and I still and and one of the things that that I struggle the most with 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 right is do they have confidence that he can play on the left side or not? And if not, what is that? And we have talked about it. What does it look like if you got a a guy that probably best fits uh, at, at the right tackle spot? What does it look like if you draft that guy early and expect to get him on the field? You know, are you, you moving to a core four over, or are you letting the young kid, uh, 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 take, you know, you know, try to get in there at left tackle, you know?
0: Yeah, or do they have confidence in a core for flipping back to left tackle? If they have confidence in that, then it might make the right tackle discussion easier. I imagine they'd probably do it that way to start with right at right tackle and a core four flipping over to left tackle. Dan Moore becomes the swing guy. But you're right, it is a messier equation. I've been trying to do a lot of research on Jones, uh, Broderick Jones, and um, uh, Darnell Wright just to learn their backgrounds more. I think they're both really interesting guys because they're both so young, but they're, they're different. They're both 21 years old. Jones is a a one-year starter. Darnold Wright has 42 starts at 21 years old. Really interesting, I think, background there. This is a guy that has not played a ton of football relative to other guys, not only because he's 21. does have that experience, but he was not playing offensive tackle until high school. He was playing in in youth football. He was a linebacker. He didn't play in middle school. And so he's kind of a guy that you see him play his best football this past year at right Tackle. Some people say, well, that's because he's a right tackle. It may be, but it also may be just because he's a young guy that is naturally growing and getting better, and and it's not always a linear thing in terms of your growth. You get better by leaps and bounds at at certain points because you're young and you're still kind of new to the position. You weren't playing tackle since you were a little kid. So he's a really interesting guy. Um, Broderick Jones, interesting as well based on just the athleticism, the profile being 21 years old, all the tools and traits are kind of there. Um, I think Wright's a really good system fit for what Pat Meyer wants in terms of first significant contact, the heavy hands, the punch. Jones a little less so, but Jones has that real top end athleticism. The Pittsburgh's not really had a tackle, has a similar body type to Dan Moore, but probably a little bit leaner and longer. Um, and so I think both guys are are really interesting guys when you look at their background and kind of who what they're about. Okay. So well, all that is, is not really to say much of anything, I suppose, in terms of a conclusion. I just was kind of researching. Um, but they're both they, they, like uh, Broderick Jones likes motorbikes and that kind of stuff. He likes snakes and just like quirky stuff like that. I kind of appreciate Darnell Wright's really into science and reading. So just kind of learning about who these guys are and um kind of what makes them tick. So all that, again, is to, to not really have a, a particular point to this, but to the overall thought of. I am kind of feeling this team has a good chance to trade up from 17, go get a tackle, take that 32nd pick, trade back, you know, five to 10 spots and get a cornerback all right what else from tomlin and con i think again that was kind of me the the headlining thing everything else was a bit more standard saying some words not saying a lot of information but what else kind of stuck out to you dave
1: uh let's see here let's go through some of it uh quickly here oh i thought the comments about demarvin leal uh can continue to keep that mud kind of Uh, or that water kind of muddied up here. Uh, One of the major components of talent, or no, he says there's a lot of variables in determining that when talking about what his role is or definitive structure, Uh, his level of readiness, his growth and development, I'm open and expect him to be on another level like I do with all guys, but I don't know that I see it with great clarity as I sit here today. There's still too many moving pieces. One of the major components of talent acquisition remains to be done this offseason, be it in the draft or remaining free agency and things of that nature. But make no mistake, he showed some things, particularly over the latter part of last year. It's reasonable to expect him to build, but no definitive structure to it as we sit here today. That, in and of itself, is a little bit concerning.
0: That's a See, real, what does it, it mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, what do we do with this square peg?
0: Where's the round hole or the square right. hole, I guess? Yeah. He, here's my interpretation of that is, Right now, it's like um, Schrodinger's Liao, where it could be anything. He's both a defensive lineman and an edge guy at the same time, and based on what they end up drafting will basically determine what Liao's role is. So if they get an edge early, let's just say, you know, a Felix and a Duke Uzama in the second round, then Liao probably becomes an interior guy again. If they don't do that, if they draft defensive line, they don't really get much at edge, then Liao probably stays more as the stand-up, versatile type of guy. So basically, Tallman seems to be saying is, that's to be determined based off of what moves we make or don't make in the draft.
1: You know, did they tell them in the in the exit meetings, just hold your weight right where we are until we tell you to go <laughs> up or down?
0: <laughs> That's my terrible take today. If I could ask them one question, it'd be, what is the Marvin Leal's weight? Can we get a scale in here, guys? Can we put you on a scale, DeMarvin? I just want to know what your weight is at today, just to get an idea for what they're thinking, but it seems like they don't really know.
1: And have, haven't we said this all offseason well, and why we wanted Joe Clark to ask that question during the combine? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, uh, and then and then now we uh, and look, I mean, who, you know, Mike Tomlin went into talking about, you know, NFL players being or, or, or you know, teams being positions being uh, more specialized and, and that kind of thing. And then obviously we had to talk about the uh, Lucas Van Ness and the uh, Keon Whites. Right. You know, uh, but why would you? It, it. Why would I? It, it still doesn't make sense for me why you'd want to go go with another tweener unless you're really, really just your your game plan is to 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 play the mix and match match
0: game. Yeah, you know my thoughts on this. I think he's best in the role that he held as a rookie, where he's going to play as that big edge on early downs, be able to work inside, sub package interior rusher on third down. I don't think he's got the the anchor and the strength to be that every down. Uh, run defender in the way that Cam Hayward is and, you know, Larry Joby can be. So that's my preference, but it seems like it'll truly be dependent on how the draft looks.
1: And I I don't know how you can't come away with that with having an uneasy feel, or at least, you know, it it creates more questions.
0: It does. Um, It kind of leaves everything open. So, I mean, it's it's, uh, kind of a positionless approach right now. It's until they get more clarity. And so I really think it's going to come down to, you know, depending on what they can draft, if they can go sign a veteran edge guy, perhaps. But at some point, it seems to have to make a call and say "DeMarvin, this is what you are. So he knows so he can be the best right. player that he can be. And so that's going to be an issue for him. I'm a little worried. It's almost going to be a, a Sean Davis 2.0 with a good athlete. But you just kept messing around with his position and where he would play and what his role was. You never let, let never let this guy kind of settle into at least an idea, knowing what his role is, even if that role is going to be a versatile guy. If you don't really know that, it's hard to know your weight, how to train, how to study, what to work on, uh, technique wise. And if you don't do those things early, it's going to really hamper development. And he can't go work with Chuck Wright, right? <laughs> yeah, he's because he's in Baltimore now, <laughs> unless he's getting traded or something. And, and, and Leal is not like Leal's a pretty raw guy. Like he's a good athlete, he's a big lump of clay, but you know he's not like this refined guy that can just kind of bounce between positions. Um, he's got he's got to work on stuff, and so with that, unless he unless he knows what he's got to work on
1: theyu.quier.com. Fuck here Fauquier county. Find what you love. All right. Uh what else do we want to talk about here? How about uh we're not taking a quarterback. I know you want to weigh in heavily on this.
0: Well, I can just see that getting misinterpreted in the sense of they're not going to take a quarterback at any pick. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Omar Khan was saying that in reference to we're not taking a quarterback early, which is the most obvious you know statement that he can make. I, I think there's still a chance they could take a quarterback late. They brought in a couple guys, Clayton Toon, Jaron Hall. I just want to make sure that people I, I'll see the headlines now. Omar says we're not taking a quarterback. They're not going to take a quarterback at all. We don't know that. We just know they're obviously not taking a quarterback You know anywhere between rounds one through four.
1: All right. So six or seven still are still a possibility in your eyes.
0: I think so. Do you agree or disagree with that? I thought? mean, I, I,
1: if, if they did take one, that's when I would expect one. I Hopefully they don't do it until the seventh round is, is my thought. But I mean, if, if this quarterback class, once you get past the top of it anyway, to me, and I haven't done a lot of work on the class overall period and, and because I don't have to. But, uh, you know, if, if there's I, I don't view it being, well, you know, one of these five guys. Uh, in in the sixth or seventh round would be fine by us. I think they would define one, maybe two guys that 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 they deem draftable in that sixth or seventh round, and then that's that's where they would attack one, one of sure. one of one of two guys there. And yeah. and I'm with you. I think there's probably a likelihood that uh, an XFL or USFL uh, quarterback comes in uh, to, to 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 be number four.
0: Yeah, I think the best way or to do it is... Or three
1: or four, whatever.
0: Right, XFO guy, because their season's about to to wrap up here. Ben DiNucci, AJ McCarron, I don't care who you pick. Pick somebody, and then an undrafted guy's ideal. If, if, if quarterback was truly off the board for a draft pick, they would have not have brought in Toon and Hall for visits. They just wouldn't have wasted their time doing that. So um, I think that's why quarterback is still on the board late, but obviously not early.
1: It feels like Toon would have to be take, taken in the sixth, I think.
0: Yeah, on. I think that Toon and Hall may not get Their Quarterbacks tend to fall, but I still think for them to get to the late seventh is going to be potentially pushing it. I think Hall could slip. He's a bit older, a bit shorter. I think Toon's probably off the board before 241.
1: Okay. Uh, Omar Khan saying... Pre-draft process probably eighty-five percent similar. Wonder how he pulled that number out of his hat. Uh, <laughs> a, 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 it was pretty specific, right there. That's like mm-hmm. me saying roughly and then giving you a exact yeah, the, to <laughs> the penny, exact right. penny number on the cap. Uh, probably eighty-five percent similar to how the pre-draft process was under Kevin Colbert. That 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 sounds generally correct. And and we'll see obviously what the rest of it looks like. There's still still the end the end game of this thing to uh, to, to to consider, and then matching up the uh, the coaches going out and you know the the visits and 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 that kind of thing
0: the follow-up question I was dying for somebody to ask' not that I would expect a, a specific answer from Khan is, all right, so what's the other fifteen percent? What's different? Mm-hmm. And again, I know that Khan will not' will not walk you through it and tell you publicly, but I want to know what that fifteen percent is. Can we see it? Can we measure it? Can we feel it? You know we'll we'll start to find out uh, come this weekend, but I want to know what that fifteen percent is.
1: All right. He talked about, obviously, the acquisition of Allen Robinson, the second uh, via the trade. Uh, I guess that's last week now uh, that 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 uh, happened and saying, you know, put him through the physical and all. And, you know, that was a component of it that that they like the doctors like what they saw Uh, within all that. I think they made I, I think one definitive or near definitive that we can take away is they're not going to push him or Cole Holcomb hard at all, if any, during the OTA practices, because both those guys, it was a foot injury, too, with uh, Cole Holcomb, was it not?
0: Correct, both foot right. injuries.
1: So those guys, I, I would expect to hear very little about, if any, participation with those guys, because he likened it to what they did with Larry Ogunjobi, uh last offseason there. So th- those guys, you know, obviously, you know, having experience and all like that, they're probably going to take a real, real easy on them during the spring practices. Mike Tomlin uh, on the backside of that would not give any kind of health update on a guy like Calvin Austin, the uh, third, or I, who was the other guy I was asked about? Was it Anthony Miller? I guess with the, with the, I think sh- so. with, with, with the shoulder there. So, but I mean, overall, it, it feels like other than these two newcomers and, and potentially, you know, Calvin Austin, the third, uh, you know, barring something happened because even firemouth with that knee of his late last season, he should be good. One would mm-hmm. think that he, he should be good. to Go. It feels like there's nobody really uh, under contract at this moment that, that we're too overly concerned about not being ready for the start of training camp.
0: I know they're veterans, and I, I get the conservative approach, and I'm with you. I would not expect Holcomb or Robinson to do much, if at all, during OTAs, but it is kind of a concern. you got new guys coming in. You want them to pick up the system. Holcomb's supposed to be your three-down backer, your signal caller, to have that guy presumably not be on the field until training camp. And if they go the full Joby approach, then you might you know, be eased in that first week or so of, of, of training camp. And so just you know, a couple of guys older coming off foot injuries, you know, missing some time in the spring, valuable time with their new team. You know, it, it, it's a smart, pragmatic approach, but there's a consequence to that that I don't particularly love.
1: Uh, and look, they even said, you know, the process last year with Larry kind uh, kind of hindered him a bit, right? Right,
0: exactly. Now his injury did come later. It was in what the playoffs, I think. And mm-hmm. so there was less time to recover than Holcomb and Robinson that were more mid year. So they have an extra, you know, month or two. So that's good. Um, but you just don't you don't love that kind of stuff. You know, when the first when the first thing you talk about with when trading for Robinson is, all right, let's start with the medical. Like that's not a good conversation that I want to I want to be excited about the guy, the player, and we're talking about, you know, that he's healthy. It's uh, you know, I don't love the way that starts off.
1: All right. They also talked about you know, and, and really giving us more validity to all the talk that we do every offseason about circling back to guys that they had previous pre draft interest in. And that's why it's very important to make sure you bookmark uh, on studersdeepo.com annually the pre draft visitors list and, and. You know, uh, uh, you know, maybe some of guys who 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 it gets reported that maybe they spent some time with and they talked about that today with you know Alan Robinson going back all those years ago and spending all that time uh, with him in the pre-draft process and the Landon Roberts story was great about going to that Houston Pro Day. That was the uh, was a William Jackson Pro Day too, wasn't it?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Uh, and talking about talking to his parents in the parking lot, I think uh, was the example given. So uh, it just it, it further confirms the fact that these are guys that they liked way back in the process, and obviously didn't draft. And now all these years later, there's a reason why these guys are in Pittsburgh now as 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 unrestricted free agent signings.
0: It's the rare situation or, or trade
1: acquisitions.
0: Right. And the benefit where you have the same head coach that saw you when you were coming out, followed you through your career, could dust off the old file on you from your college days, and it helps you bring those guys in whenever they become available through free agency or trade, whatever they, the avenue is. So yeah, it, it's one thing that makes uh you know Tomlin pretty unique.
1: All right. Uh what else? Uh from from Con and Tomlin? Maybe I know uh,
0: that Tomlin downplayed the whole connection with Joey Porter Jr. And I think Porter Jr. was on the uh, all things covered podcast with Brian McFadden and Patrick Peterson uh, detailing that conversation with Tomlin and Tomlin essentially saying uh, this morning that, you know, this is not new with Porter, you know, he's known guys in the past. And so it's not really anything to, to make out of, but um, that was the comment there. And we'll see if Porter's to pick. I think the the further we go along here, I think, well, I think Porter I think Porter's odds of of being at 17 have increased in my mind over this draft process. I think the odds that Pittsburgh takes them has actually decreased over time. And I I, I will go as as far to say that if if the choice was between Deontay Banks or Joey Porter Jr. at 17, I think they take Deontay Banks.
1: Well, that goes back to uh, some, you know, you got to mix in all of what you hear throughout this pre-draft process and then disseminate what you think is real and, and, and what is fabricated and what is just talk and all like that. You know, you go back to Jason Lockham for of all people, I think was the one that says they really love uh, Deontay banks. And there is obviously some familiarity there, right. You know, from, from the whole Maryland thing and Dino and, 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 It's not like they don't know who Deontay Banks is at this point, even though they didn't go to the pro day and obviously con and, Tomlin didn't make the Penn State Pro Day either, but everybody else did. And then you could throw, I guess, a counter argument to that would be, well, why was it anybody else really at the at the Maryland Pro Day? And but you could counter back at that saying, <laughs> well, maybe they knew Deontay Banks wasn't going to do anything any there anyway. But right. she
0: did not. He did not work out.
1: Uh, so why? Why spend? A, you know, may, maybe they said, hey, Deontay, you got to do anything at your pro day? No, okay. Saved us some airfare for uh, Grady and uh, or, or, or 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 Terrell Austin there uh, within that. I mean, they they know who that they know who Deontay Banks is, and just in case they didn't have an, enough on him, they brought him in for a pre-draft visit along with Joey Porter, who was a local visit as well too. So, uh, it personally, I would rank Banks ahead of Porter on my list. If we're, if we're if we're if we're talking about ranking these guys
0: in terms of like your personal feelings. Yeah. And thoughts? Yeah. OK.
1: Uh, Who do you not, think they not, would take not, if both
0: were there? If yeah, you had to choose. That, that's between a great question. That's one of that, the two. That,
1: That's 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 something that I may or may not be struggling with right now.
0: <laughs> OK, I don't want to give anything away. But yeah, th- this familiarity with banks, not to the degree of Porter, obviously, um, I think with Maryland. Yeah, I mean, the Dino Tomlin thing a little bit, although Tomlin had the quip of I don't go to my son for anything in terms of information professional about draft stuff. But it's really to me the connection with Mike Loxley, the head coach at Maryland, because mm-hmm. Tomlin and, and, and Loxley are very, very close. And so uh, you get the intel that way. I think that's where actually the Maryland connection comes from as much as anything. But yeah, just kind of my gut. And, and maybe this is a little me just speculating and over my skis here. While obviously, you know, Tomlin loves the bloodlines and, and dads who played in the NFL, to me, I, a thought that I have is that, you know, Tomlin wouldn't draft Porter because. He'll be in his dad's shadow and right back home and that just a lot of pressure and there's a lot it's kind of some baggage not in always a bad way and I, just, I,
1: didn't i bring that up at, at one point during some podcast? what did you, the association you did. with with joey and yeah and, uh senior and all like that uh how if that adds any cloudiness to this at all
0: yeah i i, I remember you referencing that to some degree but uh, yeah, not that just, it's
1: a huge obstacle, and 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 Joey Porter Jr. in that in that interview with McFadden basically said that when he came in, you know, they they you know they want to talk about business and not, you know, not the not 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 the link, you know.
0: Sure, there'd be you know business to do, but you still couldn't escape that kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I just kind of think that Tomlin would let Porter be his own man somewhere else i think players have said that before like when you go back home you get drafted in your local some for some guys it works in porter and you know, there's no character concerns there but for some guys you just want to go do your own thing Well, you go do back to whole
1: de- the whole dead the whole supposed conversation with dan marino right
0: oh yeah was that the conversation there with that I forget well, the it, it, background
1: you know if you if you believe and read some of the stories you know they kind of thought that maybe dan dan marino would be better served to get out of pittsburgh you
0: know okay Fair enough. Yeah. So kind of a similar idea there, but that, course, I mean, that, obviously- was,
1: that was way, you know, way before your time. And I mean, but it, it's just enthralling to look back at what was that uh, 30 for 30 that they did uh, on that draft, you know, and
0: the 83 and, draft.
1: Yeah. The 83 draft and, and I, I think some of the, one or two of those stories are even in there. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously remember the year they passed on in, they take Gabe Rivera, and you a sack, he gets in the car accident, that whole uh, story there. And as you know, it's followed through, but, but not, yeah, not, just,
1: not saying what happened all those years ago has any rel- relevance to now, but I, I just, you know, trying to
0: illustrate guess, the point,
1: yeah. illustrate the point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that just my thought, my gut right now, I still think, you know, it, 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 it
1: still feels like if they stay at 17, it's one of three players. though, right. Four players, three or four players.
0: I'm it, down to one of four. Yeah. Who, who are the four that you're I mean, thinking
1: if, it, it feels like it's going to be either Joey Porter, uh, 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 Deontay Banks, uh, uh, right? Uh, uh, Darnell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, I mean, I, I've, I've kind of eliminated Brzee from that a little bit, but,
0: I put Broderick Jones as that fourth if he gets there to 17, which I think is okay. still possible. So I have I'm I'm down to basically Jones versus Wright versus uh, Banks versus a bit more distantly Porter. Okay, that's I my. Mean, thought.
1: And my- that that's kind of where we've been. For a yeah. little while, it's just hard trying to figure out which one it might. Which one? Yeah, exactly. I wish they would have just told us today.
0: You know, would have been nice. And uh, my uh, my final mock draft will come out Tuesday morning, and, and I I still have like, literally I was at two o'clock last night scrolling down like scribbling down mock draft ideas because I just don't know which way to go right now.
1: I've been doing the same, and I don't I don't know. And then obviously now, do you want to include some sort of trade in your in your mock? You know, which I never do.
0: I want to, but I'm not because I never do. It's just impossible to predict. But there's going to be a trade that occurs in, in this draft that will wreck all of our mock drafts.
1: Sure. And, and in other words, rest assured, if you're worried about uh, either one of us having a perfect mock draft, it's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. For the uh, <laughs> how many straight years is that all the years I've been doing it? i yeah. uh, never gotten one. And right. I'll, just-
1: I'll, I'll never come close to equaling what I had, what I did that. Many, many years ago, when you know, I, I had Gilbert them in the, and, right, had them in the wrong order, but uh, had I think the first four picks or whatnot. That, that, I, that, that's just lightning striking.
0: I just want to get a seventh round pick because for the last two years, I've gotten Pittsburgh la- last pick correct with Presley Harvin and Chris Wildokan. Mm-hmm. So I want to keep the uh, seventh round streak alive, but it's going to probably be harder this year. But anyway, so back to Tomlin and Khan, those were kind of all I think the big things that those guys had to say. I mean, there were some smaller things in there about, you know, vetting character concerns and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, to me, really, the only big takeaway that I have here is uh, how open they are to dealing pick 32 and, and trading down specifically.
1: I think that's the biggest takeaway out of all this. That and and just the sort of definitive that Allen Robinson and Cole Holcomb are going to move very slow throughout the offseason.
0: Yeah. And you're right about the layout comments being interesting, right. although it's not an answer. It's just still the lack of an answer but that's still an answer in itself i guess
1: i i view that more as an eyebrow razor than than anything a continuation of kind of what we've talked about all off season with with what what is the plan with him trying to grab all the groceries in one trip Oof! not how you would have done that You know, sometimes less is more like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Right.
0: All right, Dave, for the second half of the podcast here, I want to kind of break down just one last review of the entire 2023 NFL draft class to get our final thoughts out there today. I want to do the offense and then for Wednesday's show, we'll talk about our final mock drafts and do the defense. So I just want to kind of go through things position group by position group just to get your thoughts. Even if it's not all guys that Pittsburgh will be interested in taking or ultimately select, but just starting at the quarterback class again, I know that for Pittsburgh, obviously nothing uh, to the level of the discussion that we had last year, you know, potentially a late round quarterback. Do you have any, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure neither of us have really studied it in depth the way that we did last I year. I have no. What are your thoughts on the quarterback class at the top? Like just gut feelings on Stroud, Young, Richardson, Levis. Do you have a favorite there or do you really just kind of feel like you know, it could be any of those guys.
1: Uh it's been interesting to hear all this talk about those 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 uh I guess mental kind of tests and all like that. And 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 I haven't uh you know di- dove too too great into great detail of that. Uh I, I've said it before and I said it, I'll I'll say it again. I, I'm concerned about Bryce Young's size. That that's the only thing that I'm concerned about with him is his size. Uh I think the most intriguing out of all these guys is Anthony Richardson at the top of the class. Uh that 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 guy I think has a potential to to, to maybe be something really special that we're talking about in years uh from now. But uh he is the most intriguing, I would say, overall. <coughs> bless me. Bless
0: you. Uh,
1: I should have hit my kill button. I couldn't get to no, it. No, you're there. fine. Yeah, I'm with you, uh, Richardson. Uh, I I I haven't spent as much time on this class overall, though, to have definitive kind of feelings about them. Uh, personally, I think if 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 I was at the at the top of the class, I I would take Stroud, but that's because of my bias against Young.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, I've always been the Bryce Young guy. I think we'd be the number one guy in this class. I think we'll be the first overall pick to Carolina. I know that the size is a concern, but everything else is is not a concern in the least. And if you make it in the SEC at that size, buying that big offensive line, you'll make it in the NFL. So my loose list is like Young Richardson. I don't think he's quite as raw as some people think. Stroud, and then Levis. Um, but I'm not going to pretend like I've done a lot of homework on on really any of those guys to really uh, dive into their play.
1: And the the Hendon Hooker conversation that we had earlier, I I, I you know that's going to be interesting to watch play out.
0: Yeah, you I know, think it'll because be because of
1: his injury and all like that, and you know, you you know uh, what he's got on tape so far versus what his ceiling might be. Uh, but but beyond that, you know, there's some interesting guys that I think could be you know number number two potentially down the line for some teams.
0: Right. Um, yeah, I think Hooker's got talent. It's the injury, the age, and kind of the college system that he's coming from that's going to be an issue for him but i do like hooker and i think he will end up going in the first round in terms of later round guys i'm trying to figure out who the seventh round quarterbacks could be for pittsburgh what quarterbacks may fall i'm looking at some numbers right now the average is, is 11 quarterbacks per year get drafted over the last uh what is that five draft classes so you know does a does a tune does a hall somebody like that fall to pittsburgh we'll have to, to wait and see
1: yeah, and I, I like Max uh uh Duggan's character and all. Uh, but he 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 might not end up being anything more than a number three.
0: Yeah, I didn't put a draftable grade on him. The character's off the charts. Like dude's super tough, but he's had so many injuries. He's small, pretty erratic, so would not draft him. Undrafted, you know, he could come in in, in the camp that way. Okay. Any other quarterbacks? Are you kind of I mean, th- there's names Dorian Thompson Robinson? I could see Pittsburgh having interest in him. I think Aiden O'Connell is going to be a good backup for a long time. Stetson Bennett is going to be, you know, conversations about him undrafted, but um, yeah, the quarterback class, you know, not, not, not great after the uh, the fall off. Uh, agreed. All right, let's go to running back. Another position that obviously the Steelers aren't going to show a lot of interest in, although really there's like two running backs on this roster, right? I mean, there are literally more in McFarland and, and Teague and others, but you know, do you add a running back if you can't uh, sign a Benny Snell after the draft? So you know, where does Bijan Robinson go? Is he, you know, considered one of the better talents in this class, but he's playing the running back position. So any feeling on where Robinson may end up?
1: I mean, if, if you are, if a team's going to draft a running back in the first round this year, it's him. And and boy, people have been all over the chart with him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Thinking he could even go on the top, I don't know, five or 10. Uh, I think he will end up being a first round draft pick. I I, I think a team, you know, uh, Heck, even the Eagles with, 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 with their first pick. I mean, they don't lack a lot on that roster right now, right?
0: Yeah, the Eagles at ten certainly could get Robinson. They let Miles Sanders hit for agency, so I think that that certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, about there-
1: Bandicam is going to be in wherever he lands, going to be interesting to watch because of the ability to break the big play. And you know how I am about uh, running backs and their ability to 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 provide uh, explosive plays. Uh, and you've obviously talked about uh, uh, Roshon Johnson quite a bit through this uh, draft process. Uh, Going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with him. Uh, Evan Hall's a very try hard type player. I mean, if you if if you were into later rounds and you needed a guy that can do a lot of things for you, uh, that guy's full of heart, man, and full of effort. He he's a heart, smart, effort uh, uh kind of guy. So I, I really liked him. He was, uh, what he was, he senior bowl or shrine bowl. I can't remember. Mm, uh, I think he was one, one of the two there, but, uh, uh, he, he is somebody that I've watched a little bit throughout this, uh, pre-job process, but the, 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 notable ones that have had my attention, I I think Jamar Gibbs, it, it uh, is, is an interesting talk out of Alabama, but it, to me, it, the, the guys that I've, I've watched, have been Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, uh, a little bit of Roshan, obviously from from him playing at Pitt, Israel, Abandicanda, and then Hall, which is much later.
0: Yeah, that's probably uh, more information than I even have on the running backs. I, I did watch a lot of Roshon Johnson. I think will be a really good pro, uh, literally a four down kind of guy because he's going to excel on special teams. I know that Joe Sieveley likes Dwayne McBride from UAB, big bruiser, you know, break tackle kind of guy. Has not you know, caught like two career passes and and some fumble issues uh, to talk about there. Uh, Keith Mitchell, uh, you know, guy that they can work in space, speedster. Um. Yeah. From there, you know, I think it's a pretty average running back class overall. Right. Uh, let's see where to go to next. The so tight ends, your favorite topic. Really strong tight end class, Dave, top to bottom. Probably one of the best tight end classes we've seen in over a decade.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, we've we've done enough talking about Darnell Washington already, and what a what a, what you know, literally a monster he is. And I mean, you're talking about a six tackle there that can actually do do stuff with the football in his hands as well, too. So, I mean, if you're talking about any kind of team that has kind of a luxury uh, uh, to go for that kind of kind of player, uh, you know, second second round or whatnot. I mean, he he's hard to miss. <laughs> right, uh, uh, it goes without saying. As far as the Steelers specifically, I have focused more on, as we've talked several times, the kind of guys that that could serve as a number two for the Steelers. So, you know, I think you get into the, to, to the Luke Uh, you know, Zach Koontz is somebody we've talked about a little bit, you know, going back to the, uh, the senior bowl that Josh Weil, you know, uh, kind of a uh, fifth round or later guy out of Cincinnati could be potentially a nice number two Tight end for team uh, Payne Durham, I think, is another mm-hmm. one out, out of Purdue that could potentially be that. I uh, haven't made it all uh, to to watch a lot of Noah Gindorf tape out of North Dakota State yet, uh, but that could potentially be one as well too. Uh, and look, you know, I, anybody that gets compared to 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 Heath Miller the way Michael Mayer has, you know, you're you're automatically uh, inclined to go watch some of his tape and all. It just it doesn't feel like. You know, he, he, he's someone that we'll be talking about unless the Steelers play him uh, in, in, in another uniform there. So I have focused any tight end study that I have done mostly on guys that could be a blocking tight end in the Steelers system.
0: Yeah. It, there, there's a good mix this year. Um, you got your real good athletes in Kincaid. I think Luke Musgrave, I just did the report on him, really fluid guy that that catches the ball well and has done some inline work. Not a great blocker, but he's put his hand in, in the ground before. Michael Mayer is really well-rounded. Washington can be that blocker, just kind of a little clunky and maybe not quite as freaky as the testing would suggest. Uh, Laporta from Iowa's underrated. He could go higher than people think. You got your your big small school guys and Zach Kuntz from ODU the former Penn state transfer Tucker craft is out to go to state. I know that there's been some fans of Brenton strange from Penn state. You like Brenton strange uh, a decent amount. Uh, do you Dave?
1: Yeah. I'm a little undersized though. I, right. I, 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 you know, he kind of got tossed out of the, the possibility in my mind for, for the Steelers much in the way that I, I tossed Kendrick green out in the pre-draft process. So not saying it can't happen. It just, it, it would feel a little to me. I mean, he's a better blocker than obviously Connor Hayward, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is, and you could use him into the line stuff. Uh, I'm not going to say it, 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 it's a, out of the possibility that Steeders draft him, but I mean, six foot three, seven eighths. Normally, they like those extra tight ends to be, if they're going to play on the end of the line of scrimmage, to be a little bit bigger than that.
0: Yeah. And he's not super long either. I think he's like 32 inch arms or so. 30, so 31, uh, almost 31.
1: 32. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that, that, that's
1: seven eighths, I think.
0: That's the real issue. If you want 30, to go from Zach Gentry, no,
1: 31 and eight with him
0: 31 and one eighth.
1: Right. What's strange.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just really, really stubby. And so to go from Zach Gentry, who's, you know, six, with like 34 inch arms to a guy that's under six, four with 31 inch arms. I mean, you know, strange as the book on him, good blocker, like you know, finisher seeks contact, but yeah, it just could be a math equation. When you're facing a four, three defensive end, when you're playing the Bengals or playing some even front, you know, team, it's just going to be a problem. So I just don't get there on on Brenton Strange, but yeah, Payne Durham, I'm a fan of. Had a good Senior Bowl week, well rounded kind of guy, but the, you know, there's there's talent throughout. Will Mallory is going to be, I think, good value in terms of what he can do as a receiver. Wild, you mentioned um, Latou from Alabama, so it's a uh, it's a good class. And then yeah, Gindorf to me, if the ankle's good, like the best, maybe the maybe actually literally the best blocking tight end in this entire class.
1: Uh, I think, and and even though I buy a ticket for admission uh, to to see Darnell Washington in a in a Steelers uniform, if we're if we're talking, you know, guys, I think that that more realistic. You could you you could draft that they did draft a tight end this year. I think you're looking at Schoonmaker out of Michigan, uh you know, Durham out of Purdue, Uh maybe in the seventh a uh, Gindorf and. You know, maybe a Josh Wild, but but I think some people might have him a little bit over. Uh, some people might have him as a fifth or sixth round uh, guy, but uh, that's where my focus has been with the tight end class.
0: All right. Good deal. Let's go. Have to... you watched any
1: of that Kyle Patterson? He's supposedly out of Air Force. He's supposedly a good, uh, a decent blocker, but I think many people have him as an undrafted free agent. And uh, I don't is... think he ran either at the combine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's tape on him. I think he has. 18 career catches i think he's caught six passes the last two years and so you're just trying to get tape on him as a receiver um i think it's that was more the air force run that i guess more option type offense I was trying to think if they're one of the uh, military academies that that do that like navy and army and and all of them but there just is not a lot of like tape out there as him as a receiver like literally has caught six balls the last two years okay all right, moving on now to wide receiver, and again, I think the you know you typically you have the really strong classes at the top. The, you're going to have a bunch of first round picks this year. To be honest, Dave, I would not be surprised if there are only one or two first round picks taken at wide receiver. I think there is some depth later on, but it is not a top heavy class.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I, I think we kind of came to that conclusion early on, right, with with, with this class. I mean, it's sure. Just- uh, there's a lot of different shapes and sizes and fits, you know, however. And I think really where the value is in this is in in, in the third and fourth round uh, overall, especially when it comes to guys that, that, that I think the Steelers might be interested in. Uh, that being, I mean, they obviously brought in what Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. Mingo is a guy that I really, really think fits uh, with 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 what the Steelers could could use, Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State was a guy that caught my eye early in this process as a potential fit. They brought in who uh, Charlie Jones out of Purdue, more of
0: a fourth mm-hmm. or fifth
1: round uh, 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 kind of target there. Mm, trying to think who else. James Bryce, Reed
0: came uh, in right.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton's another guy that I think people are underrating overall because of the. Some teams gonna like him in like the fourth or fifth round, I think, just because of the the measurables uh and the contested catchability and the ability that he would be able to give you on special teams, and then trying to work with him to see how high, you know, how high his ceiling is uh there. So when it comes to Steelers specific the Steelers specifically, I think you're looking at guys like Tillman, I think Reed, I think Mingo, Hutchinson, mm-hmm. uh, Jones, obviously because they brought him in, and uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton is is another another one that I've I've spent the most time on tape wise.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on Ford Wheaton. I think I've seen some people mock him seventh round. I mean, who the heck knows? But I think he'll be I much think Dane, higher than Dane,
1: that. Dane Brugger has a seventh round draft grade on him. I'll be surprised if he. If he if he if he's still on the board in the seventh round, from what yeah, I've wouldn't be
0: would not be the first height, weight, speed receiver that isn't that good to go higher than he probably should because some teams gonna bet on traits and try to work on his game. And if you if you can get, if you can build him up, then you got probably a really good player there with some freaky tools. But I'm I'm with you overall. Yeah, I, I think I think Mingo is gonna surprise. I think hypothetically, let's say the Pittsburgh had to draft Jonathan Mingo. I think you you would have to do to, to do so by pick 49. I think by the third round, by pick 80, he's gone and probably long gone at that point. I think Mingo's going to be a guy that goes earlier than people expect. Yeah. I've seen some
1: comparison to, uh, uh, the 49ers receiver, uh, Debo, uh, yeah, Debo, Debo Samuel. I didn't like
0: even, that. Did you, did you feel that on tape? I didn't necessarily like not, in the run game. Like he's just, not going to be using that. One. I guess build only. Yeah, okay. You know,
1: um, more than anything, I've just thrown it out. That, that, that's what I've seen as far as people same. trying trying to comparison on him.
0: I just uh, didn't see that. I, I, no. Other people have made that comparison. I just didn't feel like, he, like you compare the two, two I, I think
1: you could move him around in, in, in any spot in the offense, and I think that's what's going to really make him attractive uh, uh, to a team like the Steelers. Along, I, I think Hutchinson's along the same, same lines as well, too, with him.
0: Yeah, I think Hutchinson's a guy that could be like that fourth round type pick, big body blocker. Um, obviously they Tomlin talked to him at the Iowa State pro day, so that's a name that I'll that I'll watch. And I think Jaden Reed still would make sense. You know, Charlie Jones, some some slot type guys. I, I do wonder though if you know if they do go receivers like fourth round is probably a starting point, but they may just hold off after the Robinson deal or take somebody in the seventh round, right? But, uh, yeah, is there any sleeper in this class? I'm trying to go through the list of names. Is there a guy that I really like late? I don't know if I have that one. I mean, I've talked about Malik Knowles from Kansas State some. I don't know if I have that one great late-round sleeper, though.
1: Yeah, I'm going through the list right now. Nobody's really jumping out at me.
0: Yeah, so that's that's the receiver class, not as strong as other years, especially at the top. It just right, it feels
1: with- really middle-round middle laden.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Kind of like deep in the middle, um, but not strong at the top or probably towards the uh, the end. All right, offensive tackle. I think there's talent. It's not as you know strong as you mentioned earlier. As you know, past years we were getting top three, top five, you know, blue chip type left tackles. You know, Skronsky, Do you view him as a tackle? View him as a guard? I think he's going to be a guard in the NFL. Uh, right or wrong, I think that's where he's going to end up playing. Um, to me, you know, once you get past Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, and I'll give you Anton Harrison from there there's a drop-off. You can talk about day one Jones and obviously the, the boom bust potential with him. But if, if you're going to get a tackle of your Pittsburgh, get one early or basically don't get one at all.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's some middle of the round talent, uh, there, you know, bird out of Syracuse is an interesting, uh, prospect. Uh, it feels like a lot of people cause he played both tackle and guard at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, I, I I, I I just think it's what teams think of him. The biggest problem I had with Bergeron's tape was his feet.
0: Okay, yeah, that probably profiles him as more of a guard in your eyes.
1: Uh, I it depends on how much if you think you can correct that or not. I mean, there's a okay. lot of good stuff in his tape. It's just
0: what's the he, best thing about his tape? I've heard like is he a Mahler. I've heard I've I watch him.
1: I, I like the athlete, the overall athleticism in him. Okay. I, I, I like the demeanor in him. Uh, uh, the hand usage isn't bad. I mean, everybody's going to point to that Clemson game, you know, and say, okay. "Well, he didn't fare all that well against the edge in there." And they're they're they good. Where you'll pick out most of his the holes in his game probably is in that game against Clemson.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, fair I, I
1: I think he can. I I think any team that drafts him should give him every ability to battle for a left tackle spot first and foremost. He. Here's the downside with him. I think you get a good guard.
0: Not, not, not about downside, and that's what it ends up being.
1: Right, uh, but for
0: Pittsburgh, it's probably a little less useful, I suppose.
1: Uh, Anton Harrison, I think the whole scheme aspect. You know, have you seen enough uh, from from that? You know.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of like that with Jalen Duncan too. I think he's got some tools, but like a year away, technically, he's got to work on his stuff. Still got to probably get a bit stronger, fill out his body, but. That's like the developmental left tackle. I like Wanya Morris from Oklahoma, um, mm-hmm. Tennessee transfer. Played right tackle, played both tackle spots, but a lot of right tackle. I think he's athletic and can reach and cut off. Um, you know, backside in the run game. Um, probably some things to clean up technically too. Just you know, not bending over at the waist and keeping his eyes up. But there's there's some traits and some things to work with there with Wanya Morris, and he's got really good length, like 35 inch arms. So he's not a particularly tall guy, but he's a really long guy for his frame.
1: Uh, Day one Jones scares the living hell out of me. I've made that clear. I mean, he might end up go, being the best tackle in this class when it's all said and done, but uh, I think he needs to grow up, you know, playing, playing. Yeah, but I, I think he needs to be dedicate himself to being uh, a, 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 an NFL starting tackle.
0: I hear that and I'm with you, but just to give the counter to play devil's advocate because the talent is great. And like the tape, when I watched his tape, I mean, it was really fun. Like this dude's sure. he's pretty technically sound. I, I, I've for said that all along that, that he can yeah. ball.
1: I mean, he is extremely fun to watch play.
0: But even like pass protection with his punch, how heavy his hands are, like not just the classic mauler. I mean, he can, you know, he's got like the basketball fee. He's got to work on being able to redirect and against some inside counters, but. I mean, his tape, I, I, I watch him against uh, Foskey, in Notre Dame. Like He just was, was killing that, that, that battle. So if, if if he becomes the guy, then like you've hit a home run. But you're right. There is so much risk you feel like you're taking on there.
1: Right. Uh, I think someone who's going to benefit because of this class is Carter Warren out of Pitt.
0: I'm with you. I like it.
1: Uh, beyond, I think uh, Jalen Duncan out of Maryland is another one that's going to benefit because of the weakness of the class. And uh, in other words, in any other draft class, he'd probably be these two of Warren and 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 Duncan would probably be, you know, fifth round or later guys. But because of the class overall, they, they, they're they going to get bumped up a round or two, I think.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point overall. One other tackles, I like Joey Fisher from Shepard, big physical, tough right tackle. Trevor Reed from Louisville has got some traits. Um, who's the guy that I'm looking for that I wanted to, to Did mention? Did you watch
1: any uh, Dalton Wagner?
0: I didn't. I didn't. He's really tall, so you kind of worry about just, you know, leverage and, and being able to get low. Uh, the Illinois tackle, how do you say it, Yeah, Tons of it, like 65 starts, something absurd like that. So that's just kind of interesting on its face. You got a couple of small school guys. How about Jake Whit from Northern Michigan? He's uh, playing but basketball and then tight end. He's like one of those guys and uh, converted to tackle. So developmental guy, but I think he's going to get drafted there just based off of some of the traits the potential overall. And I have not watched a ton of his tape, but I think Earl Bostick, Junior from Kansas, is a guy that's popped up in my what they look for studies. I think he's got an overall you know, pretty good game.
1: It feels like he might end up landing at guard, though. I think.
0: Yeah, me. he's he's got the size, I think, to play tackle, but okay, you know, some of those guys kick inside for sure.
1: But but once again, I I, I don't I, I'm not enthralled with this tackle class.
0: Yeah, I hear that. Uh, all right, let's see interior offensive line. I think it's it, it's pretty strong overall. It's hard to find those true guards that you talk about, but um, yeah, there's some really good players there with Steve Avilia, Osiris Torrance, Cody Mock, uh, The center class, I think the center class is really really strong overall. John Michael Schmitz, Joe Tipman, Stromberg. I'm a big Juice Scruggs fan. I mean, there is going to be some centers to get later in this draft that could start start sometime the rookie season. Uh,
1: you know, obviously, once you get past the Peter Skoronsky conversation, which has been had all offseason, run that into the ground. I I I really like Cody Mock. I I just like him. That that is a guy that I think. Uh, you know, you what know, wasn't he the one that said if they told me to punt? You know, I, I I'd punt. Who, who was that? I think
0: it was Herbig had said that. In oh, okay. Yeah, that's conference. right. That's right. But Like uh, Mock and Herbig are kind of the same dude, like just fun loving, but nasty physical guys. Right.
1: I, I think that guy's spot in the NFL should be a left guard uh, position overall. And then, you know, if you, if, if break glass in case of emergency, you could probably fit in at center for you. We've talked about city Sal. Uh, when you talk about right. uh, uh, guards, I think John Gaines, uh, the second out of UCLA, is, is going to be that middle round guy. Initially, I said, oh, I don't know, maybe third round on this guy, uh, but I, I've, I've backed off that set. But I, I think somebody's going to get him a really good uh guy that's going to get some starts and John gaines the second out of UCLA uh overall. Going to be interesting to see where Voorhees goes in all mm-hmm. this uh due to his injury. Uh who else in this class have I watched a little bit of uh Kirkland out of Washington It might go undrafted, but he's an interesting name uh to 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 kind of watch there. Uh Zavalia out of North North Carolina State might benefit from this not being uh an overall great guard class, you know?
0: Yeah. And he was in for a visit, Pat Meyer at that pro day. I was reading some more on Zavala. There was a back injury to, to look at, I think team. And it's probably one reason why he came in for a visit because he was not at the combine. He was one of the biggest snubs. And so I bet you there was some medical homework done on Zavala in that back, but you know, he played up from Fairmont state to NC state and, and did well. Uh Bradford from LSU, Anthony Bradford, I think it's gonna be a riser in this process. I'm with you on Voorhees gains. I think McClendon Curtis had a really strong senior bowl week. He played tackle in college. I think he'll be a Mauler, you know, big right guard at the NFL. Nick Broker played tackle, then moved to guard his uh senior season at Old Miss. I think he'll be a late round guy that could stick in the NFL. With Cody Mock, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk myself into can this guy be an NFL center. I know it's kind of a, a big projection there, but he's a little tall, but honestly. It's not much taller than Marquis Bouncy. Like Bouncy was six four and a half, Mach six five. So I think you can could, could make it work there.
1: Right. Uh, I think overall, when you look, I, I, guards generally tend to you see them and centers get pushed down a little bit in drafts anyway. But I, I I do think once these guys start coming off the board, they'll come off the board in bunches.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think it's a really good class overall in terms of the guys that make the tackles that may kick inside, the guards that are actually there, the centers. I mean, Stromberg, Scruggs. I think. How do you say the Michigan's name, Josh? I got to bring Josh in, pinch it, to, to pronounce it. Uh, Ola Watemi from Michigan, I think is, is an underrated name on this class. Of course, you got John Michael Schmitz and Tippmann at the top. So, uh,
1: And I, I did, I got around to watching some Tippmann there. The the the, the, the biggest uh, uh, issue I have with Tippmann is uh, the level of his hands out of, out of the snap. It seems to take him a while sometimes to get those hands. Look, if he gets his hands inside, if he fires off and he gets those hands up right away and gets them into the chest. He's tough to get away from. It's just sometimes he's very inconsistent with his hand usage of shooting off the ball there, and that gets him in trouble and leaning and getting his head out and those kind of things. I thought overall, as his anchor, you know, someone had mentioned about his anchor. I think in an email, I didn't find a big issue with that. The biggest thing that I had with him, I think overall. Was that hand usage and getting those hands firing out more consistently, and 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 using those thirty-two and three-quarter arms and ten and three-quarter-inch hands of his?
0: How did you think the leverage was overall for being such a tall and a little kind of like high cut? I he guess, he so can speak, get center? he can
1: get top heavy. He can get He, okay. can, he can get he can lose his ba- balance. Would probably be the second thing with him.
0: Okay, fair enough. Did you did you did you feel the athleticism though one tape, pulling, moving in space? He oh yeah, like I, I, good athlete. He,
1: yeah, he can move. Yeah, if if, yeah. if you're in a if you're in a, a scheme that likes to pull that center out and and get him out on the edge, he can do that without a doubt.
0: Okay, good he deal just, on he,
1: that. And obviously, it's a mismatch anyway. But you got a big guy on a on a defensive back uh, out there in space. But he just he's he's uh, his tape is full of annihilations of that out okay. on the edge.
0: Good deal. Any other thoughts here with this? Uh, interior I, I, offensive I
1: Obviously, line? like John, Mike, if we're talking center specific, mm-hmm. I, I like John, uh, John Michael Schmitz, obviously Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas might be the most underrated center in this class, I think.
0: Okay. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Excuse me. So I think there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be good center value in like the third, fourth round. Okay. Uh, so any other thoughts here with the offense? I got to mention my fullbacks here briefly in uh, the North Dakota state kid. Hunter Lipke, I think, is the guy that's going to be like the next Kyle Yushek and play a decade in the NFL. Okay. All right, Dave, that's all I had for the offense. Any final thoughts here in terms of the um, overall class on the offensive side of the football? No, and, and I've
1: been picky and choosy with the tape I mean, because, look, I mean, there's only so many hours in a day that you can cram in all this uh uh tape watching so i you know most of it's been centered around positions i think the Steelers will draft and when when the guys will be drafted i mean i i have watched a lot a little of a lot of people but not a lot of 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 a lot of people
0: yeah well you know it's good to at least get some uh knowledge of these guys and then obviously whoever the draft picks are you just dive in fully on those guys so i'm with you on the approach so that's all that i had dave anything else you want to talk about any other weekend uh Things you wanted to, to mention about the, uh the list of Steelers free agents. Uh, you had the article yesterday. Any guys that, that may come back to Pittsburgh post? I mean,
1: we, we, you know, I, I think if there's one that you want to circle, that's unsigned right now, that probably has the greatest chance to return after the draft on a one-year minimal deal, I think it's Benny style Jr. and and the list isn't very long. And we'll see, obviously, what happens with Chris Wormley. But with the additions that this team has made, the only way we're and it was the only way he's going to come back anyway was on a one-year deal for the minimum, right around probably to start a camp, uh, 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 along those lines, uh. Yeah, I, I think the, sh- the the ship has obviously sailed on most of those guys that 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 are that were unrestricted free agents that remain unsigned at this point. But if you wanted to circle one, and 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 probably. Uh, uh, number two would potentially be Miles Boykin, but he's got to mm-hmm. be looking around right now saying, man, I could probably get that same deal that the Steelers want to give me with another team and have a slightly better chance of making a 53-man roster uh, than, than, than I would in Pittsburgh. So I think if there's one guy that you want to, wanted to think had the best odds of getting signed after the draft, it'd be Benny Snell.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think Snell Boykin are the two, if any, are gonna come back. I think Snell's got a good shot. Um Boykin will just have to to wait and see. But yeah, I think Watt and you know people say Mason Rudolph's gonna come back. You know, I guess I can't put it at zero, but I'm still putting it real close to zero. I yeah. just don't think he wants to come back. I'll get a chance somewhere. But I know the uh, obviously not been a lot of interest in him, apparently, uh, so far.
1: It's probably better. And we don't know really what kind of interest, if any, there's been out there, if he's even received off offers or anything. His, his bet, he's obviously probably going to be best served to wait until after the draft, A, mm-hmm. as as would teams. And then B, uh, Maybe it's in his best interest to wait a little bit longer into the into the summer to see if any any quarterback rooms have an injury or anything like that.
0: I still thought the Rams would have signed him by now. Um, they have literally one quarterback, and it's the aging Matthew Stafford on the roster. So I think he could still end up there. I think maybe in Green Bay to back up Jordan Love. I could see that as an option. But you know, I, I just don't see him coming back to Pittsburgh to be that clear cut, no wiggle room, number three quarterback. It's
1: Jeep 4x4 season. Make your next adventure epic and hurry in now for great deals. And now, well-qualified lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe for 389 dollars a month. For 24 months with $5,399 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution a lease request capital. Extra charge for miles over $20,000. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 531-23. Jeep is a registered trademark. What about your, uh, real quick, your eight draft prospects you wish the Steelers would have shown more, and to be clear, public interest in, we don't know for sure, because look, they talked about Zoom meetings today and even more Zoom meetings, just as far as the eight prospects you wish you would have heard about the Steelers having more interest in.
0: Yeah, quick sidebar on that. When Con talked about Zoom meetings, was that with prospects or just like with the scouting staff in general? Because to my knowledge, you can only get three Zoom meetings. But is there something else that I'm not aware of? In terms I of how I came can, away
1: wondering if anybody really knows what the role is.
0: <laughs> that's that's all. That's probably the best conclusion that you can take away. But he was like referring to prospects whenever he talked about Zoom. It meetings. felt like it, correct? Yeah, it's, that was my interpretation of it. So yeah, in terms of the eight guys about public interest, because listen, Pittsburgh's done their homework on all these guys, and so. You get the occasional surprise, the way that Juju, you know, kind of came out of left field, and Calvin Austin not really expected last year. So you never know until the picks come in. But uh, to rattle off the list here, the one name I just mentioned with um, Ola Waitemi from from Michigan, you know, Remington Award winner, I think he's going to just you know be underrated in the draft. Malik Knowles from Kansas State feels like a good fit in this offense, late round guy. Thought maybe you get a little bit of buzz on him. Uh, Derek Hall from Auburn to me is like the one guy I am. Really hoping that this is a one big con, one big smokescreen, because there's been nothing on Derek Hall. I think he's a great Steelers fit there in the second round at, say, pick 49. Uh, Yaya, uh, excuse me, Yaya Diaby from Louisville is like an Alex Highsmith, Chicolo, 3-4 base in college. Going to stand up at a big year in 2022. And then a bunch of the DBs, DJ Turner, Clark Phillips. Uh, Turner can play inside out. Great speed. Phillips, one of the best slot corners in this draft. Cam Smith is versatile from South Carolina. Uh, and then Quan Martin is a guy that, has that versatility as well. I thought there'd be a lot more of a presence for the Illinois guys, Witherspoon and Martin and Sidney Brown. Not a lot of really interest publicly on on any of those names.
1: All right. That's a good, good list. And uh yeah, Derek Hall right out of the shoot. Uh, uh we were talking about him, uh ahead of that senior bowl and, all, and I thought he represented himself great there, uh top oh, yeah. to bottom.
0: Yeah, had a really good week down there. Sets the uh, the edge well in the run game. He's not you know, a super flashy bendy rusher, but good power, uh, good size, length. I mean, he's just you know, SEC production. He, he Everything Pittsburgh looks for, and yet they've not publicly done much to, to look at him. So uh, any final thoughts here, Dave? If not, we can wrap up and get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All
1: right, let's uh, get to the email machine here real quick here. Uh, Nick Julie, hypothetically speaking, I know they just traded for Allen Robinson, but if the top corners and tackles are gone in Ohio state, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba somehow slips to 17. Could the Steelers take him? Uh, could they, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and definitively say no, they wouldn't.
0: Yeah. I guess you can't rule anything out, whatever it's worth. And I kind of, put a little little stock in this right now, but Peter King mocks Smith and Jigba to the Steelers today in his uh his mock draft for the uh pro what whatever it is football morning in America uh column. So I think he's gone by seventeen and I think the uh interest has pointed this team elsewhere other than than wide receiver.
1: Yeah. Uh that's my feeling overall, but I don't want to definitively say no, they would not take him, you know, but mm-hmm. uh you'd have to wonder why he slipped that far, I think.
0: For sure. For sure.
1: Uh, David Ricards writes in, as always, thank you for Depot and the hard work. Podcast on the site helped me get through the offseason. I have a special teams question. What's the origin story for Alex's appreciation for Danny Smith? Is number number one. Number two, what positions on special teams are in need of contributors due to free agent departures? I'm guessing Muse is supposed to be a Spillane replacement, he says. What units' positions were filled by Derek Watt, Sims, Boykin, and Snell, I recall Splain and Snell being coverage guys. Is that all they did? He says I know Sims was a return man, Boykin was a gunner. What other roles did they fill? Uh Let's see here. Let's start with number one: the uh, origin of uh, the story of Alex's appreciation for Danny Smith. I'll attempt to answer that one. Okay. Alex just love, and and you know, I, I I I'm with him, but not to the degree of uh, uh, what Alex. Alex just the special teams. That's why his. Favorite player of Steelers of all time is probably Chidi Awamu, uh because of because of that. Uh, Alex just loves watching that special teams tape. He likes pulling out those Easter eggs from there, just everything about it. And I don't think it's more so an a, pre- uh, a love for Danny Smith other than that's Danny Smith's job.
0: Well, how much time do you guys have? Let me let me tell the story of Danny Hopefully, Smith. Hopefully, not no. much. Yeah, it'll be. I'll, I'll make this short. No, I love. Yeah, special teams in general, the love there. I mean, listen, I can be critical of Danny Smith. I have been in the past. He's certainly uh, not without his flaws, and his team has had its issues before. But how do you not love the guy? Yinzer, you know, from the area, you know, choose 70 packs of gum at, at one time. Uh, the, the passion that he has, you know, basically kind of one man banding it on the field so much. And so uh, guys love playing for him. And I love guys that can, can get guys to buy into that role. I think it's pretty special.
1: Uh, As far as positions, units, uh, you know, uh, and fits and all like that, look, it's generally your core guys uh, are like, you know, inside linebacker types, uh, strong safety types, uh, running back slash fullback types uh, are, are usually your core guys. And you need a good three or four of those guys that can, you know, play on all four Four teams. And I think it's a right assessment saying Muse is kind of like a spillane replacement. Muse is going to be a guy, assuming he sticks that, that and stays healthy, going to play probably 300 or more special team snaps uh, uh, for you. Uh, when it comes to like wide receivers and stuff, either that guy's usually a return guy or he's a good uh, jammer or gunner. Uh, uh, for for the most part, uh, what else is in here, Alex? Your running backs like Snell and some of these other guys, uh, can 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 be uh, return and coverage type players. Uh, probably not play on all four teams. It depends on the guy. But there's so much mixing match and matching uh, when it comes to special teams, guys. That's why we pay a lot of attention during, at least I do. Alex gets to see it during training camp. I don't. But during the preseason, I really pay attention to the snaps and where where certain guys play on special teams because I think there's a lot to read into that.
0: There is. There's certainly a path for those bottom end of the rosters. You know, guys 50 through 53 trying to carve out a role there. I mean, some of this can be interchanged. It's not like if you're one position on special teams, you can't switch to another. If you're the left guard on the punt team, you can play the right guard. It's not like playing offensive line. But yes, blames like the left guard on punts, and so what else is there to replace? There's going to work for Boykin. You know, can Dan Shisenna potentially do that? Uh, That's an option. Uh, Benny Snell was the left wing or the right wing on punt team. Marcus Allen was the upback. Got to replace the upback. That's something to. To certainly think about and consider there's, you know, you know, R1s on kick coverage, there's the the blockers on the kick return team. So we could go through all that minutia. Um, but, you know, I think the things I'll look at right now, which are some of the punt guys, the up back, and, and maybe who those gunners are going to be.
1: Uh, Pastor Joe Green, do you think the time has come to change how we draft defensive linemen? This is what I mean. For years, the Steelers have drafted defensive ends and projected them to play outside linebacker. Why? Because there weren't many linebackers that could do what they needed them to do with size that was needed. Uh, maybe now we need to take some some large, long are large, strong, and athletic edge players and have them bulk up from 270 or 275 to 290 or, or 295. He says a projection. Yes, uh, the reality is these kind of players seem to be more available into in to, to get today's game. Guys like Hayward and Tewitt are few and far between. Guys like Keon White, Lucas Van Ness, and Zach Harrison. Seem to be more common. He says they they could even utilize these guys on the edge during their first year before they can add some bulk. All in all, it's still a projection. He says, "Oh, and get Keanu Keanu Benton for sure." Uh, look, it 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 it, it has been a fight for the Steelers, especially when it comes to the more specific defensive linemen. And we've seen them trade up for a guy like Loudermilk because he fits the measurable standpoint here. And, and the only rebuttal I would I will have to say because. As your edge players and have them bulk up is how I many, we just had this long, you know, all off season. We talked about DeMarvin Leal. We talked about him again this morning. Unless you're okay with taking the guy as is for what you see on tape and playing him as is and fitting him fitting around what he does, then aren't you opening yourself up more to a year later, us uh, sitting here and having another DeMarvin Leal question unless they do change. And I guess what he's saying is, is should they, should they change their approach on this? I, I don't have a a, a a definitive answer on this for you other than saying, we're going to have to see, you know, what they do moving forward. But yes, it's right. It's harder to find those two nine. It's harder to find those six, five, mm-hmm. six, six, 290 to 305 pound guys. Coming out of college now, without a doubt, that and that's been a struggle for years now. When it comes to the Steelers, that's why you end up with the Isaiah Bugs and the uh, uh, Waltons and the, uh, uh so, you know some of these other guys and the Leals and all like that. As far as the edge guys go, normally, it, as more and more teams, and there'll always be just the game is shifted now too, where even the Steelers play a lot of you know uh uh four man fronts right uh, uh uh, kind of thing there but and that's why i think you've seen kind of the height of the the outside linebacker types that they get kind of grow a little bit by an inch or two more now because they they've learned how to kind of utilize those 64 259 guys right
0: yeah um just to get clarity again on the question is he talking about changing the profile of a defensive lineman or an edge guy or both. What exactly? Is he I, I think he's
1: kind of mixing them up here. He says, you know, draft defensive ends of projecting to play outside linebacker. Why he says, because there weren't many linebackers that could do what they needed to do with size. That was needed. I, then I guess he goes on to ask, we maybe now we need to take some large, strong athletic edge players in other words, he's saying now take those edge players and and turn bulk them into bulk bulk them up. Uh, and look, this goes back to the conversation we had about Lucas uh, uh, Van Ness that makes it so hard with a guy like him. He he played more over the B gap than he did out on the edge. So unless you came to me and you said, and look, there's it, some there's some great tape with him <laughs> interior. So I mean, some really good tape with him over the interior. But once again. You're back to he only played a thousand snaps, I think, in college on the defensive side of the ball, really over two seasons there. Uh Do you, you know, is your projection to play him as is if you were to draft him and and at, at the NFL level and, and let him play, you know, that that. That that over to B gap and on on out a little bit, or is your projection for him to play at the edge more and 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 utilize that skill and, and refine that skill set? There, he's just such a hard player to project, especially with the way the things Steelers the way the Steelers have done things.
0: I guess the argument is pittsburgh for years would project the ends to play off ball line or play outside linebacker on their feet and that was a, a projection so why not just do the same projection with the van Nessies of the world and ask them to, to to bulk up just kind of in the reverse direction i think it's the the idea
1: sure but we just went through that with leal or going through that with leal but we don't know what they're going to do with them
0: yeah it's fair um but I don't want to let Liao necessarily you know, be the guy that changes the whole strategy or not. What, what I would say to the question, though, and I think he said everything really well, Dave, is that I think the, the, the type has changed. If you go through the study I just posted today, uh, the Steelers, what they look for in terms of defensive ends, the numbers have shifted. They're smaller, they're lighter, they're faster. Like we've, We actually have changed those benchmarks over time uh, because of guys like the Marvin Liao. So I think it's actually happening right now, just maybe a bit quieter. Even Loudomoke did not fit perfectly because he did not have great length. And he was like, he was at weird two seventy four where he dropped a bunch of weight for some reason to try to run fast. And he did not run fast. Um, but I would say, yeah, I think you're actually seeing some of these things change and shift and are what they look for. Study reflects because that. Cause they so can't
1: find those guys. Can't,
0: yeah. Cause they used to take the big defensive tackles and just kick them out. But now every defensive tackle in college is 280 pounds and is a three tech and plays upfield field and rushes the passer. No one plays run defense in college football. So, you know, it's harder to find those guys. You don't have kind of those, as you said, the guys at six, four and a half, 300 pounds, 33 plus in arms. They're very hard to find. That's why I love Benton, because he is kind of like the last of the old school type defensive alignment. Uh, even Brzee and Dexter don't have the length that you would like. So uh, the, the, the short answer to the question is, I think actually you've seen that that shift begin to happen. And, and guys like Liao reflect that. I
1: guess he's wanting to see another shift down to a little bit lighter guys.
0: Well, how lighter do you want to go? I mean, you can only go so light, I think, before it becomes, you know, really right. impossible. Uh, well, they,
1: I mean, you're in that 270
0: range, you know? Yeah. And with Van Ness, I mean, I read some of the comments with some good points, and I think he played heavier at Iowa this year and kind of dropped down to be able to, to work out well. And, you know, he could play inside. So I think I think a key on White, though, is a guy that we have to talk about some at 32 if he's there, because uh, while he's a little light, he's not that far off and really, Seems to check those boxes now. You've, as you say, he's kind of played more on the edge, but he's a guy that probably projects at least a bit cleaner to try to bump inside and play, you know, three tech four eye.
1: I still think both those guys are better served as defensive ends. Okay, in, fair
0: in, enough. In, in, in,
1: in a four three, but once you know, once again, I, I want to make it clear, uh, Van Ness has got some great tape inside.
0: Yeah. But to the question is how do you find those interior defensive linemen and how do you find Hayward's replacement to be the edge? I think guys?
1: you got to lower your standards. And within that, I, I think lowering those standards comes from the height standpoint. And th- even then, you're you if you do that, how many of those guys are still going to have the thirty three inch arms?
0: Yeah, I think I think what you're seeing is maybe this team lowering the length standard because it's hard to find the thirty 30- three four inch arms that Hayward and Two had. had. So I think like when well, they looked at Brzee and Dexter, you know, they're, they're tall guys, but they don't have the length They're 32 and a half inches. So I think Pittsburgh kind of sacrificed the length and saying, okay, because we're not going to two gap as much. So we're not going to try to get extension and, and hold the block. We're going to use just our guys to get up, field and penetrate. Maybe you need a bit less length to do some of those things. i,
1: I tell you what, the first thing I look, look at when I'm putting together, because the senior bowl is the first monumental event for me that, that I really start you know, learning, Same.
0: Same. Yeah. uh, Same.
1: here is as soon as those heights and weights, I like get them all tabled up and all like that. I go down that son of a gun <laughs> <laughs> and I look for six, five, six, six, 290 pounds or more. Uh, and then, then I look at the arm length. That's the first thing I, and, and should I scout that way? No, but I mean, I, I gotta have a starting point, sure. uh, uh, here. And I have to inside out this, uh, b- because of it. I mean, obviously if I was a scout, that's not, you know, uh, that's not how I would start the process here, but that's the way I'm forced. But now you go through it, and you you automatically go, oh, darn, there's not that guy. You know what I'm saying?
0: Sure. Yeah, it's hard. To, you start searching longer and longer each year. That's why, you know, I, I was the same way with Benton. You know, I didn't know what to know. And,
1: I, I, and, to and the first film I watched was Dexter.
0: Right. So, I mean, the first thing I saw was, okay, this guy's 6'4", 300 pounds with length and plays at Wisconsin. Okay, I'm going to watch this guy because he might be on that short list of Steelers. And I think at the end of this whole process, he still is.
1: Right. And obviously, as the, pros- as the process goes on, you know you're watching more and more people. Uh, yeah. Let's see, Deshaun Campbell. Sup guys? My question: I read something about CJ Stroud scoring low on the S two test or something like that. What exactly is that? What does it determine? And possibly, do you have do you have what Kenny Pickett may have scored on that test? Also, would you rather give up picks to to go up to get a Paris Johnson, or would you keep the draft picks draft? Draft your needs and draft one of these day two tackles. And Dave, uh, he says, would love to see you at Latrobe this summer. Make it happen. You're not going to see me at Latrobe. <laughs> get that out there right now. I don't like leaving my house. Period. Uh, number two, I don't know enough about the S2 test to talk about it where it provides value in a discussion just yet. I saw that. I know it's a talking point. It's on my list to 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 drill down. But I got to be honest with you. So many other things. You know cramming last minute tape and all this other stuff that goes along with the site. I have not uh, given that the attention to talk intelligibly about it.
0: It's the buzzword S2. That's all you hear when it comes to quarterbacks. And I, and it's kind I of haven't replaced. even looked
1: what Kenny Pickett score is. Do you know what it is or was? Really,
0: this it's only been talked about more so this year. So it really was to my knowledge, not even referenced last year. I, I, I'm guessing it was uh, administered, but I don't know if there was ever, ever really a conversation about that stuff, but it's really overtaken the, uh, the wonder uh, conversation here's my thought on the s2 and it's not i don't have many thoughts i'm kind of with you uh dave is that it's a thing that most fans and nicks kind of learned about 8 seconds ago and now we all have a hard and fast opinion on what it means it's like we just learned about what this thing was and now we're trying to determine uh you know what's good what's bad and apparently there's a bunch of variables and like that's that's one score of a longer test in terms of that process so I think it's a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, and that's kind of reflective of the S two. Um, I think people should be careful trying to make hard and fast conclusions based off of this new thing that we're all kind of learning what it's about.
1: Right. Look, and and forever in a day when it comes to this show and the site specifically, uh, I we owe it to the readers and listeners to to not fake it until you know. Uh, either I, I'm gonna and I'm I'm open about this. I'm open about my process and all like that. You know. Uh, I'm not going to talk about something and pretend like I know everything about it if I don't know a lot about it, you know, and right now I don't know everything that I think I should know about that. So I'm not going to try to apply it and pretend like I know everything about it just to just to answer a question here.
0: Yeah, and as of right now, I've only heard it really referenced to the quarterback class, and we're not exactly putting our ear to the quarterback class this year. And so, I, I'd be interested to know those scores for other positions, you know, sure. corner or safety. I think that'd be interesting. But obviously, you know, wonderlicks and intelligence scores are all about uh, quarterbacks. And I know the S two is not really an intelligence score. It's like what? What even is the S two though? Is See? it like uh, it's a processing and you? I don't know enough about it. Taking information. About it. Yeah, so I, I think people have really kind of gotten over their skis, trying to dissect what it is and what it's not. And wouldn't you need
1: a a large sample size uh, to be even to compare it to know? I mean, obviously it means something, you know, uh, to to somebody, they, they administered the test for a reason. We just don't know enough about uh, about it. Sorry. Uh, And maybe this off season, I'll I'll dive more into that.
0: Yeah. uh, We're not going to speak to it too much more.
1: All right, uh, Hazem writes in, Hi, David. Alex had an idea. I wanted to float past you. My understanding is that the Rams might be willing to trade Aaron Donald as part of the re- re- rebuild. Do you think they would take a take the 32nd and 49th for Donald? Assuming, yes, could you take on this contract if we extended him and or added on voidable years? I'd assume we'd create space by cutting Witterspoon, restructuring Watt. Okay, he, w- he wants to go down this road here. I, I look, I say this now every time. Any team can really afford any player that they want. Just what do they? What links do they want to go to uh, to be able to afford that player? Do you want to restructure everybody you possibly can uh, on your roster to create space? Do you want to use void years? Uh, all, all that stuff. So, uh, technically, the, generally, the answer is: Can 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 a team make this player work? via the cap? <laughs> yes. It's just at what lengths do you want to go to do that? Now, look, I I, I just pulled up Aaron Donald's uh, contract here. To my understanding, he is due $13.5 million base salary in 2023. Another $15 million roster bonus on top of that. So that's $28.5 million. To my understanding, because that roster bonus of $15 million is fully guaranteed, it means he it means the Rams uh, have not paid it yet. So that means if a team were to acquire him, they would be on the hook for it. So you're looking at right out of chute here, having to afford a twenty eight point five million dollar uh, uh, initial uh, cap allotment. Now, how much could you get the Rams to eat of that? Blah, blah, blah. We just saw
0: that with Robinson. They're good at eating money.
1: Yeah, but I mean, look look at the dead money alone that that they they would have involved with 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 trading him away with, with proration and all. That's uh, twenty five and sixteen. There's uh, forty one million dollars if they were to trade him before uh, June the first. That's a lot of dead money, even if they weren't going even if they weren't going to pay any of any of these salaries here. Uh, on top of it, on top of it, he's 32 years old. So if you, let's say you did find a way to trade for him, got the compensation worked out and you did have to take on, let's say you even had to take on 20 million of the 20, you got the Rams to eat, uh, 8 million, right? Okay. What are you going to do with that other 20 million? You're going to have to restructure all that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, sure. so you're, you're, you're going to, and, and he's got two additional void years in there. So you could obviously drive his cap, that da- cap, cap number down much in the same manner, probably that the Steelers did, uh, 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 did out Robinson the second there, but even so this guy, I mean, and look, he's, he can still play, but he is 32, you know, at the, the answer becomes a question at what lengths are you willing to go? to highly invest in this guy right now. You can make it, you can always make it work. It's just at what lengths do you want to go, especially moving past 2023 to go get this guy?
0: Sure, it's a reflection of the thing we always say: the cap is real. It's just very malleable. You can massage the cap however you basically see fit. I, my my tongue was in my cheek when I made that comment about you know the Rams eating rounds and money and they could eat, eat Donald money as well. Uh, it, it's not you know feasible this year, next year, perhaps. Maybe my biggest concern with Donald is you know he's guys talked about retirement quite a bit. Could he play one year and then peace out? And, and he might be on the hook there. So. That might be my biggest fear with any sort of discussion about Aaron Donald is how long do I have this guy for?
1: Look, we're still. Uh, it's Monday. I checked the NFL PA this morning. We're still waiting on on what actually, uh, what the specifics of the Allen Robinson uh, contract is at this point. We think we know, but we don't completely know yet. That was a lot easier to circumvent around uh, uh, with 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 the ten million that the the, the Steelers inherited. I mean, with the five million dollars in 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 base salary that Steeders inher- inherited with that, there that was a lot easier to work around. Especially when they uh, it seems like they were willing to use the void years and give them the bonus of three point eight whatever million it was with that. It's a totally, it's a larger scale version of that. Literally, when you're talking about yeah. uh, about Aaron Donald, just uh, just go ahead.
0: Just last thought is I don't know the whole contract situation for Donald, but I think maybe next year they get they got a trade Donald at some point. They're totally rebuilding this thing that would give you a lot of value. Like I can't see Aaron Donald playing out his career for, a, you know, five and 12 Rams team.
1: Uh, He even his roster bonus right now because of March, it became in 2024. His five million dollar roster bonus has already become uh, guaranteed at this point. Uh, here. So he's he's set to earn a $10 million base salary in 2024, along with a $5 million roster bonus. And there's another, I don't know what it's tied to. I had to uh, find out, but there's another, I guess, an option bonus in here of 6.6, almost 6.67 million there. So it it does indeed feel like assuming he stays 2023, it might be it for him with the Rams. And then they yeah. they're, they're going to have to figure out to do something with him. Either what, he's going to retire or or whatever, you know.
0: What's their dead money next year if they were to deal him next offseason before the roster bonus?
1: Uh, uh assuming another team, assuming all you're dealing with is a prorated stuff there, it's 28.5 million as we sit here right now. Next year? Yeah.
0: Okay. Cuz he's even- got he's
1: got proration of 12.5 in 2024 and eight million each in 2025 and 2026, which are void years already. So 16 and 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 12.5. That's 28.5 million. That that they're potentially already setting up to be dead.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just I think they're gonna have to deal them at some point. You just hold on to this guy and and get nothing out of him. Not gonna help you win if your team's whole you know totally rebuilding. So we'll see. Um. You know, that conversation may come up more next year, I guess. Yeah.
1: All right. right. Uh, I think we've run long enough here, haven't we?
0: Yeah, we'll come back Wednesday. We'll get our uh, myself and Dave will have our mock drafts up on the site by then. We'll go through the defensive side of the draft class, get our final thoughts there, uh, lasting impressions on the first round, and then get you ready for a very busy Thursday night.
1: All right, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. follow the show at Terrible Podcast, email the show Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do in one, donate to the call at SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button upright, navigational bar. Uh, also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, hit the ad-free button upright, navigational bar, follow the directions that way. Tons of content's going to be on the site from here on for the next two weeks for sure, probably the next three weeks as well too, so we we'll invite you over to SteedersDepot.com uh, and start checking out all the mock drafts and just everything associated with the draft moving forward here. So in the meantime, until Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.